Good morning, Faith Fellowship. It is uh, good to see you guys. Good to be here on this Sunday morning. Hey, we're going to uh, be continuing our series that we have on uh, the prism of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And today's subject matter will be purification. Now, this was extremely um, uh, pleasurable for me to just have to study and look at. I will tell you, okay, um, it is helpful in this scenario to also include, okay, as you're taking notes, so you got purification, you'll find that eight times in scripture. I would also add to that because you really don't want to miss it is purify, purifier, that one is, is awesome. <laughs> one time for that. Um, purified, purifying. Now, the bad thing is, unfortunately, at least in blue letter, if you put in, you know how like uh, Pastor uh, Sam had mentioned, sometimes if you put an asterisk by it, it will pull all the other times that that word is kind of used and all the suffixes that go with it. Yeah, not on purification. <laughs> and so you have to enter them individually. And uh, it makes for a very rich study. So now I'm, I cheated. Remember, I'm taking my liberties with this. Um, I use all of those in terms of what it is that, we, that we're going to find. But in terms of purification, there is something that I want to just tell you right out the gate, okay, that I want you to get down. You know how we always make a working definition. And so we want to prove this as we do our study this morning. Purification is a cleansing separation, okay? A cleansing separation. Now, I want you to hold that in your mind as we walk through the various places in Scripture that we're going to see for that. You're going to see that this was absolutely a necessary thing for the Lord to have to do. Uh, there was no getting around it. And again, this just goes back to a, the argument that we've been making the whole time in terms of what the gospel of Jesus Christ does for us. Again, the, the scripture is fine. If it didn't include the rest of the words and it just had salvation alone, man, we would be good with that, right? But the Bible did include all those other words. And so we get a chance to just get more of a window into the specifics of why it is that maybe this needed to take place. And so one of the, one of the first mentions, and really I, I would even go as far to say here of this meaning would be a full mention and a first mention, because this numbers 19 is very detailed. And so let's, let's look at it um, in terms of, you know, like I said, what we're looking at here. Now, we'll just tell you up front, when you look at purification, you will only see it two other times in uh, the New Testament, okay? But it's still pointing back to this right now in terms of what it is that we're, that we're looking at. And so let's see what it says here. Um, if you would, just go with me. I know it's a lot of verses, but we started early, so I'm going to read them all. <laughs> okay. Numbers 19, verse 1 says, And the Lord spake unto Moses and unto Aaron, saying, This is the ordinance of the law which the Lord hath commanded, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel that they bring thee a red heifer without spot, wherein is no blemish, and upon which never came yoke. Okay. 
So the reason I say in terms of a full mention of this aspect of purification is because of what he said at the beginning. This is the ordinance of the law which the Lord has commanded. He's laying the groundwork for you that right here, I'm telling you the details of how it is that I want you to do it and the why. Okay, this is why this is important. So this is an important thing. When you're looking in scripture, you want to make note of that. You will not find this description in terms of purification in Leviticus at all. It is right here. Okay, now there are other purifications and we'll talk about those. But this in terms of this aspect is very important. Let's continue. This is the ordinance of the law, which the Lord hath commanded, saying, speak unto the children of Israel, that they bring thee a red heifer without spot, wherein is no blemish, and upon which never came yoke. And ye shall give her unto Eleazar the priest, that he may bring her forth without the camp, and one shall slay her before his face. And Eleazar the priest shall take of her blood with his finger and sprinkle of her blood directly before the tabernacle of the congregation seven times. And one shall burn the heifer in his sight, her skin and her flesh and her blood with her dung shall he burn. And the priest shall take cedar wood and hyssop and scarlet and cast it into the midst of the burning heifer. That's probably to control the smell. <laughs> I would imagine. In addition to that, the Lord is, you know, with cedar, he's adding something beautiful to that. But I'm telling you that smell of burning dung would be rough. Verse seven. Then the priest shall wash his clothes and he shall bathe his flesh in water. And afterward, he shall come into the camp and the priest shall be unclean until the even. Uh oh. So now we have a problem because I just dealt with a corpse. OK. Verse nine. And a man that is clean shall gather up the ashes of the heifer and lay them up without the camp in a clean place. And this shall be kept for the congregation of the children of Israel for a water of separation. It is a purification. This is that first time you see it for sin. Okay. So now we get in a window into, I, I have this red heifer, this very unique scenario. Now the previous chapter had just mentioned these sons of Korah, Korah that um, um, sinned against God. And there's this plague that is throughout. And so now there was a stopping of the plague. And this is probably necessary just because of what's there, what needs to be rooted out, what needs to be cleansed and dealt with. So you have this kind of weird thing where we get right in the middle here, right? Okay, the other thing that's unique to this also is the color of the heifer. First time, you're going to see that. It's important. Obviously, I hope that your Holy Spirit uh, radar is up. It's like red heifer, red. What? Uh... <laughs> you know, you just start connecting dots. Okay. And so it goes on to say now, like I said, the other thing, don't miss what you see happening. So I, I burned this. We already know that there are sin offerings and they always are going to be burnt offerings. And that's going to be a sweet savor unto the Lord. But now I'm taking these ashes and I'm basically putting it in a, a container with water. Okay. Is everybody with me? Nod, yep, okay, got your heads. All right, so check it out. What happened? What do I do with this now water that is water and ashes? It's a combination. 
And a man that is clean shall gather up the ashes of the heifer, lay them up without the camp, and a clean place shall be kept for the congregation of the children of Israel for a water of separation is a purification for sin. And he that gathered the ashes of the heifer shall wash his clothes and be unclean unto the even, and it shall be unto the children of Israel and unto the stranger that sojourneth among them for a statute forever. Okay, this is important. The Lord is laying this groundwork and he's like, hey, this is supposed to continue on, right? Then he says, he that toucheth the dead body of any man shall be unclean seven days. So now he's kind of laying out the, the, the needs for this. He shall purify himself with it on the third day and on the seventh day he shall be clean. But if he purify not himself the third day, then the seventh day he shall not be clean. Whosoever toucheth the dead body of any man that is dead and purifieth not himself defileth the tabernacle of the Lord and now shall be cut off from Israel because the water of separation was not sprinkled upon him. He shall be unclean. His uncleanness is yet upon him. So that's what happens with that water. Okay. It gets sprinkled on in order to cleanse. 14. This is the law. When a man dieth in a tent, all that cometh into to the tent, excuse me, and all that is in the tent shall be unclean seven days. And every open vessel which hath no covering bound upon it is unclean. If you don't have a lid on it, whatever is in it, unclean. Okay. 16. Whosoever touched one that is slain with the sword in open fields or a dead body or a bone of a man or grave shall be unclean seven days. And for an unclean person, they shall take of the ashes of the burnt heifer of purification for sin and running water shall be put therein into a vessel. And a clean person shall take hyssop and dip it in the water, sprinkle it upon the tent, upon the vessels, and upon the persons that were there, and upon him that touched the bone or was slain or dead or a grave. And the clean person shall sprinkle upon the unclean on the third day and on the seventh day. And on the seventh day, he shall purify himself and wash his clothes and bathe himself in water and shall be clean at even. Okay. It sounds like a lot, but it's no, you know. It's just, we got to wash our clothes, you know, take a shower, you know, it's, it's not a big deal. But the man that shall be unclean and shall not purify himself, that soul shall be cut off from among the congregation. Wow. I mean, this is a big deal. And it goes on to say, because he hath defiled the sanctuary of the Lord, the water of separation hath not been sprinkled upon him. He is unclean. And it shall be a perpetual state unto them that he that sprinkleth the water of separation shall wash his clothes and he that touches the water of separation shall be unclean until even and whatsoever the unclean person touches shall be unclean and the soul that touches it shall be unclean until even so now do you see what i mean for those of you that are new to bible study in terms of full mention and just the detail by which the lord is laying this out it's detailed it's not like we just had a verse of it. No, he went into great detail what it is that he wants to take place here. And so obviously your notable things here are that red heifer without spot, no blemish, never been under a yoke. Never before has this animal had to uh, be put into not only service, but com compliance. What the yoke does is create compliance out of that animal. Did our Lord have to be put in compliance or did he just obey? So you see, there's a correlation between our Lord Jesus and this heifer. Don't miss it. Okay. Very important to pay attention to. He is without spot as our Lord. 
without blemish as our Lord, should be slain outside of the camp as our Lord on Calvary. You see, this very beautiful picture the Lord is laying out here in Numbers. The, uh, and, and, and to go on here, the ashes of the burnt offering are to be taken away from the congregation to a clean place. God doesn't want us to have the remnants of sin around us. See, it's important for you to understand just in terms of a picture of what the Lord is doing here. He's like, hey, get this out. Get it outside the camp. Get away. I don't want this around you. An unclean person shall take the ashes of the burnt heifer and running water in, into that vessel, 17. And so as we just, you know, if we just keep going through the whole thing, you can kind of start to see a picture here. And I, I just wanted to start here because one, I just, I'm trying to paint a picture for you so that when we get into the rest of this, it just, I mean, it was kind of like, I wanted to click my heels. I was so glad, <laughs> you know, because I just, the Lord's word is awesome. And when you get a chance to just look at something on the surface, and sometimes you may not understand all or even value what it is that the Lord is demonstrating, then the Lord later on will say, hey, oh yeah, this is that. And then, you know, you just see the picture more clearly. And so that is the thing that I hope to share with you. Now, the other uh, purification that I wanted to mention to you that I just thought was really beautiful is in 2 Chronicles 30, 13 through 19. And this is King Hezekiah. He makes this decree to have Passover in Jerusalem in order to turn the heart of Israel back to God. Okay, now, you know, what's happening here is uh, people... There hasn't been this practice. Uh, Israel's kind of been scattered abroad. The kingdom, you know, is kind of in this weird space. And he's like, enough. So he's reestablishing this order here. And something really amazing happens uh, in this. Now, I'm not going to read all of it to you, but I'm just going to tell you kind of what, what goes on. So he orders the priest to come back. And of course, everything is happening just as the Lord has commanded the priest to act. But now, listen, it says here, the Levites sacrificed the animals for those that participate in the Passover that were unclean in order to sanctify them before the Lord. Okay, now this is important. Some of these people couldn't have gone through the measures of getting clean and had been, a, been able to be a part of Passover. Like the time frame in which that would have been, they would have missed it. So now they're participating in Passover unclean. Now, you guys know this, this would automatically mean death, right? I mean, it's easy. All hands, no hands uh, down on this situation. But let's listen to this. In verse 19, this is Hezekiah. He's praying to God here. It says that Hezekiah also prayed to God, the good Lord pardon everyone that prepareth his heart to seek God, the Lord God of our fathers, though he be not cleansed according to the purification of the sanctuary. And as a result of him praying that, uh, and the Lord hearkened to Hezekiah and healed the people, verse 20. The Lord lets something fly because, again, he's looking at the heart. Okay, so I'm just laying this foundation for you in terms of what it is that's necessary. There are rules to uh, purification. Uh, these rules the Lord takes very seriously. 
They would be punishable by death if you didn't obey them. And it would be just if the Lord decided to take your life for it. So now in your head, you may be thinking, well, Dale, how do we get to purification in terms of Jesus Christ and what that means for us? And okay, I'm, well, I'm glad you asked. <laughs> and this is where we're going to get to our sermon. Our first key point is this. Purification is a work of the Holy Trinity. See, this is so severe. All three got to get involved. That's the, the depth of the depravity that is within us and we would bring to the table must include all three to root it out. But here's your promise of scripture. Once saved, I am clean before God. I mean, these are just some of the things in terms of how you look at this. Like, I don't have to uh, uh, get resaved. The work of salvation is a one and done. Now, will I have to repent of, you know, foolish thinking, speaking, actions? Well, absolutely. But in terms of my position, that is solid and settled, and I can walk in a clean state. Okay, now, we're going to see there's more to that, but let's just at least start there, and we'll start in Acts 15, 6 through 11. And it says this, and the apostles and elders came together for to consider of this matter, and when they had been much disputing, Peter rose up and said unto them, men and brethren, ye know how that a good while ago God made choice among us that the Gentiles by my mouth should hear the word of the gospel and believe, and God which knoweth the hearts. Oh, wait a minute. Didn't I say earlier something about God looking at the heart and that he let the unclean person be a part of Passover? Why? Because they wanted to be right. And then what did this just say? I'm just saying, I set you up for that. <laughs> and God, which knoweth the hearts, bear them witness, giving them the Holy Ghost, even as he did unto us. Now, remember who's speaking. This is Peter speaking. And put... No difference between us and them, purifying their hearts, how? By faith. Now, therefore, why tempt ye God to put a yoke upon the neck of the disciples, which neither... Now, isn't that cute again? I love it. The Lord brought that yoke slaving up again. That, see? I'm telling you guys, listen, this is great stuff. <laughs> it's just incredible to me how the Lord just weaves he, these words and he's like oh, you paying attention yes sir i am now therefore why tempt ye god to put a yoke upon the neck of the disciples which neither our fathers nor we were able to bear i love it but we believe that through the grace of our lord jesus christ we shall be saved even as they and so okay here write this down faith is the key to purification We saw that in verse 9, and put no difference between us and them, purifying their hearts by faith. But pay attention to something. It purifies the heart. Make sure you get that down too. See, now you get a chance to see what are all the things that needed to be purified in the first place. So now here it is. 
Faith is the key to purification, but it purifies the heart. Now, that's not the only thing. Remember, I said this is a work of the Holy Trinity and everything has to be everybody's got to be involved because we are messed up. Also, take note in verse eight that it said and God, which knoweth the heart. So now you're getting God, the father in that state is saying, listen, I know their hearts. There's an awareness that he has also that there is a need. We got to make this, we got to do something here. Second Timothy 2, 11 through 14. Here it is. God, the father, for the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. There it is. Okay, you can underline that. <laughs> you got the grace of God, Savior, Jesus Christ. What happened? Who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all, in, all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people zealous of good works. So here's the thing you should, you should write down. Jesus Christ gave himself to redeem us and purify us for himself. So now what does this do? Man, this, this, pur this purifies my position. This purifies my position. See, I, it could have been, um, you know, that Jesus being perfect does all of these great things. But if they don't add this detail to it, man, my position would still be one because I didn't die on the cross. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And essentially the Lord is like, no, because my perfect son did that and you believe on that, man, we're good. Your position with me is solid. And the thing that you have to understand something is is that is a direct correlation to you being separated from the world. See, that's the beauty of that. If he's making you a peculiar people unto himself, no longer can I be a part of the world in that way. Now, I'm on the earth. I'm still a human being. I'm still going to interact with them. But in terms of me being like the same as them, no, there's a difference between us. And that's not a difference that is a, a, a point for me to hold over them per se, but to be grateful for on my part in humility. See, now this is why it becomes harder and harder for us to get to where we don't share the gospel. Because, well, maybe you just forgot how depraved you were and what took place in order that you would say it and get it out. Aren't you grateful? Hebrews 9, 11 through 15. But Christ, being come an high priest of good things to come by a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this building. And here it is, a direct point back to Numbers 19. 
For if the blood of bulls and of goats and the ashes of an heifer sprinkling the unclean sanctified to the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit, ah, there it is, underlining your Bible. Got to have the Holy Spirit. We're jacked up, y'all. God, the Father had to get involved. The Son had to get involved. The Spirit's got to be involved. How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? And for this cause, he is a mediator of the New Testament, that by means of death, for the redemption of the transgressions that were under the first testament, they which are called might receive the promise of eternal inheritance. Man, I love that. <laughs> so now let's get some notes here. I need to take a drink. <clears throat> you might be still catching up with me. What is notable here, that kind of cleaning agent, you know, if you think about, um, so we know that this Holy Trinity is in, act, in action here with our cleansing. But what, is, what are they using? What's the solution they're using? Well, it's Jesus' blood. It's without spot. Jesus offered himself through the eternal spirit to God. Let's make that, let's make a, a little even more pared down sentence for that. A worthy sacrifice offered himself in obedience to God for the purpose of sanctifying those that will put their trust in his name. And what does this do? This cleanses the mind and the flesh. Because you notice he says, purge your conscience. From dead works to serve the living God. And now this separation might be uh, probably the most needful, maybe even right now, just in our class. Because on one hand, it's the thought life. And then what I do when I carry that thought life out. Will it be for the Lord or for the flesh? And now the beauty, the beauty of purification in this case is that it opened the door for you to now do it in a way that would please the Lord. Because previous to that, it would only be your thought life would be to the flesh's uh, advantage. But now you've been free from that. See, now the Lord has given you a tool set in order to reference, in order to live out a godly life. And it would be acceptable, not just... Um, uh, charitable. It's acceptable. See, like, we don't want to get confused. Man, Habitat for Humanity is great. Great organization. They do a lot of good work. But that's not what the Lord is looking for, for access to his kingdom. You see. So there's, there had to be a cleansing that took place in order for me to even have the right thing in my head and then to carry that thing out. You don't have that in you. So this concept, like, right, that I'm a good person is false. I'm only good because the Lord says so. I'm only good because the Lord has told me what good is. 
and then tell me what to do with it. You see, it just takes me out of it. Very important. Last one in this group here of why you needed to have the Holy Trinity involved. First Peter 1, 22 through 23. It says, seeing you have purified your souls and obeying the truth, how? Through the spirit unto unfeigned love of the brethren and see that you love one another with a pure heart fervently being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. This purifies your soul. And that means now obeying God's word. And you think about it. Isn't if I get, if I receive um, the gospel of Jesus Christ, didn't I obey that? what it is is being offered to me, right? Like I have, that starts there. I have to believe that he is who he said he is, that he's done what he said he's done, right? And this starts to get us into a new space and place that is gonna be really critical, I think, going forward for your walk is that you have an active involvement. So you see that really, God, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit have been involved in your purification process. Now, let me tell you something. Um, you still have work to do, and we know where our mind can go at times. And so the Lord speaks in great detail, even greater than what it is I have listed for you. This by no means is exhaustive. But the one thing that I want you to consider, okay, moving forward from this day forward is this. The battleground, next key point, for purification is in our minds. See, there's a subtle thing that happened at Calvary. And in terms, it fixed my position and my soul, and it separates me. And, I got, and I'm good in terms of how God sees me. But where the battleground in terms of me living that truth out is up here. It's up here. This is how it is that believers get into these sideways positions. They get at odds with one another. They get into a place where now, you know, I, I'm too good for church or I don't believe what's happening there. I'm going to distance myself or I'm just going to take on the, the cloak of depression to the point where I'm just going to shield myself in this space and place. How I see my spouse, my children be constantly in a state of distress and despair just think that, you know, the Lord is, has failed me. He's left me behind. It's because your mind is a battleground. So there are some things in scripture that just says you must concerning your mind. We got to find out what those are. So you don't miss this with that key point. While I am clean before God, God desires that I have a clean walk before the world. Let me say it again. While I am clean before God, God desires that I have a clean walk before the world. See, the gratitude of purification and what's taken place by the Holy Trinity, man, we're grateful, we're thankful for. But now the Lord has put something in, in my hand a bit and said, you have free will. 
How are you going to think about this? How are you going to process this? Is it going to double you over? You know how that is. Car rides can either be really peaceful times of prayer or stressful times where you're just rolling thoughts around in your head. And some of us in here are so analytical. Man, it leads you to um, kind of always seek the bad in others, in the circumstance. And so then how is it that you actually have any victory in your life? You're defeated by the time you get out of the car, by the time you get out of your bed. And so the Lord, this is why the Lord has given us these, these scriptures in order to help us. And, and you know what? I, you know how I've in the past have mentioned you need a pocket buddy. I'm saying this, uh, this may need to be something that you just pray and meditate over for the rest of the year. Because I'm telling you, when I looked at this and I, and I was having just same, I'm kind of rolling some different things around in my head and it, man, it, I could get angry or then, you know, be sad in the next breath. And just the Lord is like, son, settle down. And when I read this, I couldn't help but do it. So listen, we got to look at this. It matters the kind of walk that you have and your body language translates a ton to the world. You come in here and there's defeat. Why would I ask you about anything in the Lord? You're already wearing defeat. And then it just, you know, that body language matches the mouth. It matches the actions. So here it is. Let's get, let's get fired up, man. Romans 12, 1 and 2. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Man, that always gets me <laughs> when he says reasonable service. That's the bare minimum, Dale. Oh. Yes, sir. Verse 2. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Why? That you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So here is a you must renew your mind. Write it down. You must. This isn't a, well, if I feel like it, you must. And listen, this should be done often. Now, it would be super easy for me to say daily. I would be willing to bet you uh, there are circumstances and situations that are going to come up in your life where you will need to do them by the hour. Because that's just how thinking works. It is so interesting how you can be watching TV and not really be watching it. Your eyes are facing it, your body is facing it, and your head, you are in your head. Guys, listen. Um, man, God did a whole lot to make sure that you were purified. And maybe you need to read scripture to remind you that you actually are, so that you will act that way. It's got to be done often. 
See, the Lord is telling you not to be conformed to this world. And it's like I said, remember, there was already the purification of separation from the world in that regard, right? There should be a clear, distinct difference between you and them. And guys, let's face it, in today's world, today's version of Christianity, uh, that is a very blurry line. And what good has it done the church as a whole as a result of that being the case? Who are they seeking for wisdom? It ain't us. Well, we come up and try to say anything to them, and the minute you say anything about Jesus Christ, people just clam up. <laughs> you know, and it's like, wow. We got an answer for that. You'll see. Stick with me. One of my favorites. I mean, I have this, I, I don't know. I think I feel like <laughs> this is on the everyday list too. Second Corinthians 10, three through six, you know it. And it just tells you, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. That statement right there automatically should just readdress your, your frame of thinking, especially when you were talking about uh, difficult spouse relationships, difficult child relationships, difficult work relationships, just difficult relationships. It says, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the war weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. And so I have to do something. You must cast down imaginations. Verse five. Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bring into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ and having in a readiness then within you to revenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. I love that. I love that. Because here's the deal. It's like the Lord is saying, you know how your mind works. Something happens, somebody says something to you, and immediately you just start imagining all of this wickedness. And now you've made it deeper than whatever their statement actually is, and you've imagined the response. And the Lord is like, what are you doing? And the Lord is saying, throw it down. That's a battleground in your mind. You ought not to think so highly of yourself that everybody can be against you. Who are you? Listen, man, people can say whatever they want to say about me. I know I'm good with God. Right? And sometimes, let's face it, if they are saying something, the reason you really got hurt is because it's partially true. So cast down the imaginations that now it's like, nobody likes me, everybody hates me, I'm just going to eat some worms. I'm out. I'm done being here. I quit. Man, that's where that stuff comes from. See, that's, that, that's going against this whole idea that says against the knowledge of God. So now, if you quit and you're out, nobody loves you, you just made a statement about the Lord. Because he loves you. And you are part of his family, which means you got family all over this planet. So how can you say that you're alone? It's not true, right? You must cast down imaginations. Your mind is a battleground. See, listen, I told you last week when we were looking, um, uh, <laughs> I just lost it in my head. 
we were looking last week at you know our subject matter i can't remember for whatever reason right now <laughs> but ultimately that essentially the lord has kind of fixed all these things in you and he's recreated who you are like you have all of this newness at your disposal and you kind of don't get to just say well this is how i am right we talked about that last week but ultimately mentally man that starts up here do you really believe that transformation is taking place? It's tough, man. The enemy knows how to dial your number up. Don't you know that? Those issues that are, they are unique to you because he knows you're going to stub your toe. Now, listen, stubbing your toe is not the problem with the Lord. It's when you just say, well, I'm done. I'm going to just lay down in defeat. If you stub your toe, say, ouch, it's okay. Get in the word, find out, okay, Lord, I didn't handle that right. Uh, I need to say, sorry, will you give me the words? Man, he surely will. The Lord is, I, listen, I don't know what you think prayer is, um, that it's slow or delayed or not, or fake or all of that's wrong. Okay, I'm just telling you, the Lord is very quick. And when he delays, it's for a reason. And you should just be good with it. So here it is. I just set myself up accidentally. I didn't know that. <laughs> Philippians 4, 6 through 9. Be careful for nothing. But in everything, how? By prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your request be known unto God. Now, that's going to do something for you, okay? Now, a lot of you are like, Dell, I pray. Okay, then maybe the depths of your prayer need more desperation. And you can't manufacture that. So the Lord's going to allow that thing to sting a little bit more until you find the real desperate words or how you really feel about it. There's something therapeutic about just being so honest with God, like you, I mean, it's like Sam was saying, he was, man, I wanted to high five him because I, I, I thought he, I was the only one that does that. Where it's like, you realize you are making demands of God and it kind of makes you tremble when you finally realize it in the moment. Like I'm, what I just said to him is like, I'm in charge. But really what's happened is, is now you have the specifics of your need to the point you're like, God, you got to do this right now. And the Lord is here for it. And I think he loves it. When I'm so desperate that I'm saying, Lord, I can't wait another moment. You have to answer this prayer now. Maybe it would be, honestly, I wish that was more desperate and honest like that. I think a lot of times I can string words together because I know his word in a way that it sounds poetic not honest. See, the Lord means to do something by your prayers. And if you don't step away, because a lot of times when I'm like that, and it's me and God, and I would never <laughs> repeat what it is that I said to him to y'all, because I probably wouldn't be in this position. But it's honest. And you know what? There's peace. Because now I laid it on the line. It's out there. <laughs> I'm like, okay, you got it. Verse 7. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. 
when I am that desperate, when I just lay it on the line, when I just say it as it is plainly right there, and the Lord goes, I hear you, son. And a lot of times that correction just comes in the middle of the prayer and the Holy Spirit starts saying, hey, no, don't believe that. This is true, right? This is, no, this is what's happening. And I love that. Listen, something we learn in Bible study, and because I have a gazillion <laughs> scripture references, I, I left them off, but I, you should look at it. Prayer is so important that the Holy Spirit and Jesus Christ intercess for you. That's how important it is. Not only are you making requests for yourself, but you have two advocates in the Father's ear on your behalf. So please stop telling me that how can this work out, Bill? How is it the Lord is going to see me through this? It's not true. You must pray. Nikki didn't write that down. <laughs> you must pray. And then there's more to it. Eight and nine. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. Those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do, and the God of peace shall be with you. In two ways you get God's peace, by prayer and by thinking on the right things. And where are the right things listed at, y'all? In his word. God is not against you. Even for the lost, God is for them. And we need to get some peace going on in this class going forward with all the difficulty we have going on. And you got to think on the right things. And you know what? Uh, just because you do that today don't mean that tomorrow's difficulties won't still punch you in the stomach. And you know what you do? You pray. And Lord, I felt that. This hurts. Listen, I'm trying to see God's peace for the rest of my days. And so this, I'm somehow I'm going to just <laughs> cut this section out and I'm just going to put it where I can access it all the time because I need this. Sometimes you just get tired, right? You just get tired of the fight. You're like, Lord, I, I don't feel like lacing up the gloves today. You need his word to help you with that, right? And to encourage you, man, God wants you to be at peace, to just say, hey, son, I'm with you. It's good. We're okay. And man, it just, it, it does so much. And so last one of this section, 2 Peter 3, 1 and 2. This second epistle, beloved, I now write unto you in both which I stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance that you may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and of the commandment of us 
the apostles of the Lord and Savior. You must remember the word. You must remember the word. Listen, uh, we've kind of gotten away from that. I, you know, remember in discipleship, when you guys are going through that, you're pretty good at it. <laughs> and then it's like you get out of discipleship, but then you stop memorizing the word. Boy, sometimes uh, if you would purpose in your heart to do that and you're in a stressful situation, guess what's going to pop back in your head? I'm just telling you. I don't know how many times that's happened. Somebody's talking and you're, you know, wanting to share the gospel. And so you kind of stop listening. And you, now you're just praying to the Lord in the middle of it. And you're just like, Lord, can you give me something to say? And the Lord goes, bing, say this verse. And you're just like, okay, okay, man. And then boom, you fire that off and the Lord may bring something else up. And then just now it, you're just in saint, man. Guys, I think we need to get back to uh, memorization and just because you know what it does it stirs up your mind <laughs> you know you need that help and so as we come to a close here our last key point is this so we dealt with in terms of my position once saved now I'm purified but now there is something that is kind of like a bit hanging and that is eternity eternity going forward okay so there still has to be something that takes place which is why these old bag of bones thank god so then i will finally have abs <laughs> not just one ab <laughs> but six of them <laughs> or eight that belong to us <laughs> and so i will finally get that glorified body but now pay attention to something here and uh, purification is required in eternity. Put that down. Purification is required in eternity. So you didn't know that. This is why God had to do this. This is why you had to be set up the way you were. This is why it involved the Holy Trinity. Because you not only are you a wreck, but you cannot carry that wreck into eternity. When you get your new apartment, you cannot have these bag of bones holding that key. It won't do it. You probably just catch on fire. <laughs> okay. So the Lord is going to deal with that. And here it is. God makes us suitable for marriage. And our walk gives us gifts at the gift table. God makes us suitable for marriage. And now you will have a nice gift table. As long as that walk matches up, we're going to see. Ephesians 5, 25 through 27 says this. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. Why? That he might sanctify and cleanse it. Hey. With the washing of water by the word. That he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or, or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. Man, you have never fit that description, but you will that day. You will that day. And guys, I know, you know, the idea like, man, a burial, a bride, and a... listen, that's the word God says, so just deal with it. 
<laughs> you are the bride of Christ and the Lord intends to present you a particular way. Second Corinthians 11, two, just to make you more uncomfortable. For I am jealous over you with godly jealousy, for I have espoused you to one husband that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. It matters. Your purification matters. You aren't suitable for marriage. You aren't even suitable for courtship. Man, the Lord has resolved that. And last thing, here's your gift table. Revelations 22, 12, and behold, I come quickly and my reward is with me to give every man according as his work shall be. What do we say about shall? That's got to happen, right? Got to happen. And so listen, ultimately, obviously, for the believer in here, this is directly pointed at you and, and to get you to understand that, understand your state, understand that there is a battleground for your mind, and there's some things that you must do in order to make sure that that is advantage to the spirit and that you bring glory to God. But listen, Make no mistake about it. You are now suitable for marriage. So listen, make sure that your gift table is bountiful and full. And man, don't let, just don't spend your time thinking the worst of every difficult thing, especially when they are back to back. I know it's hard, but you have a savior. Man, you lift up them desperate prayers to the Lord and watch him work. Memorize his word. And so with that, let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you so much just for um, what it is that you've done. I, I think, you know, just overwhelmed at what it took to get me to be clean. And now, Lord, uh, here it is, the part that is on us um, in terms of just our thought life. And Lord, how flippant we can kind of be with our thought life and we just let ourselves go to places of, of ruin because of how we think. And uh, Father, I pray that you would just shield us from that, that you would bring this back to our memorization, that we would understand that we have a safety net at every level to not go to these dark places and that we can be encouraged. We can have instruction. We can know what to do next. We can wait patiently on you to, to be at work because your word says so. And so, Father, it is ultimately um, the goal of, of, I believe, you for us to just rest in this place that just simply says, man, I believe God at his, at his word. And so, Lord, help us to do that Help us to believe that. Help us to live like that. And then, Lord, would you use us, those results of just revisiting that truth? Well, we don't want to be just sad all the time. There's a time for that. But, Lord, we, we need to have the joy of the Lord, the joy of our salvation, and we need to communicate that. And so, Lord, I don't just don't let the enemy win in us in a way that our mouths just close up. Lord, use us, please. I'm begging you. Lord, help solve the matters of your children in Faith Fellowship. 
In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.